Our scripture lesson for today, the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, we're jumping away from the assigned gospel this week and we're moving into one of the other assigned texts. It's actually going to be out of Romans chapter eight, verses 12 through 25. The apostle Paul writes, so then brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But we, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The word of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. For those of you who know me, this will be familiar to you. But if you're not familiar, I have a history of being a runner. When I first came to Underwood about seven years ago, I was already a runner at that point. Mostly I would run typically 5Ks or a little over three miles, but I was known to go a little bit farther at times. And in fact, yes, I even did the, what they call the big dog and I've, I've done a marathon before. So I've done some very, very long distances, the training that goes with it. But mostly I would run you know, a few miles uh, a couple of times, two, three times a week. That was sort of my exercise that I would do. But about a year and a half ago, I was getting bored with running. I don't necessarily know why I made the decision, but I, I, I stopped doing it. I stopped running and I found some other means of exercise that I've done for a while, up until a few months ago. And I was sort of starting to get the inkling to be running again, in particular as the spring, uh, the, the winter moved into spring and it was nice to be outside. I thought, oh, it would be nice to start running again. But I knew that I had probably lost my ability to really run long, long distances and long durations. If, you've, if you're familiar with exercise, you know if you stop doing something, you quickly lose that ability to do it. And so rather than just tie on my running shoes and try and go out and, and run a 5K right away, I thought, I need to be smart about this. I need to let my body get used to it again. I need to train for this again. And so I found an app on my phone. Uh, it's, it's something known as a couch to 5K. It's essentially taking you from ground zero 
and slowly over the course of, in this case, about eight weeks, building yourself back up to the, the ability to run that longer distance in those longer durations. And the approach to it is pretty, pretty nice at the beginning. Now, it's, you always start with a five-minute walk, and then you go into your period of training, and then you have a five-minute walk to cool down. You warm up, train, cool down. And in those early weeks, the training portion was pretty accessible. Run, walk the five minutes, then run for a minute, and then walk for a minute and a half, and then run for another minute, and then walk for a minute and a half. Pretty simple. I could do that. I mean, yes, it was working me. I, could, I was building up a sweat, but, but it was accessible. But gradually, as the weeks have gone on, those durations of running have gotten longer. You know, it was started at a minute, and then pretty soon it was two minutes, and then it was five minutes, and then it was eight minutes, and then, then I hit 10 minutes, and let me tell you, 10 minutes was getting a little lengthy. And then 15 minutes, and then at this, about a week, week and a half ago, I hit the 20 minute mark, and the intervals of walking in the middle were gone. So it was the warm up walk, and then it was one long period of walking, and it was 20 minutes long. And then it was the cool down after that. So now at this point where I'm at, uh, it's gotten pretty lengthy. It's definitely pushing, it's building that endurance. And let me tell you, this past Thursday, when I did the final run for this past week, it was 25 minutes. First time I've run that long in a long, long, long time. Now, as I'm running, I've got my earbuds in, and it gives you little moments of affirmation at times, like a few minutes in, oh, you're doing great. And then there's a gong at the set, when you hit the halfway point, you hear that. And then, and then you'll hear some more affirmation a little bit later. But, but really that entire time as I was doing this run, which full disclosure, I decided to do Thursday afternoon, which was really hot, really blazing warm, really humid, a whole lot more stifling than I realized. So as I was running this 25 minute long run, the entire time, I was just longing to hear that, that bell that tells me your time of running is done. And as time went on, my legs were hurting, my, my lungs were hurting. I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was in agony, but I was certainly uncomfortable just waiting and waiting and waiting for that bell to go off, resisting the urge to look at the screen of my phone and see how much more time do I have, which full disclosure, I did quite a few times. And time was going very, very slowly as I did that. And in, in the in, each instant of that whole time, in the, the discomfort that I was feeling in the course of this run, it felt like I'm never gonna get finished. This is gonna last forever. It's never gonna be done. And as I was thinking about that, that whole situation, just that experience, it made me think about the, 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 the idea that I've heard before, that time, the passage of time is relative. Now in that moment when I was completely uncomfortable, every step, every breath, every instant of those 25 minutes felt like an eternity. But think about the flip side. Think about the ways that, that time can go very quickly. Now, I've had a lot of conversations with people over the years. I've, uh, especially people of generations that are ahead of me. I'm definitely seeing this myself now as I've entered into middle age. And I've even heard my 16-year-old son comment on this before and how the older you get, the faster time seems to pass. Think about how fast a year goes or how fast five years can pass or how fast 10 years can pass or even 20 or 25 or even 50 years as we look backwards. The passage of time seems like it goes really, really quick when we're not paying attention to it. 
it's that idea that it's relative. Depending on if we're really paying attention, it might go really fast. But if we're, or I should say, if we're not paying attention, it goes really fast. But if on the flip side, we're tuned in, we're, we're, we're completely zeroed in on, on what's happening in the moment, usually in the period of discomfort, like when I was running, it seems to last forever. Time is relative. And there's an aspect of this that I think is present within our reading for today. I thought a lot about this passage from Romans as, as Paul, the Apostle Paul is talking about a lot of different things. And in particular, I thought about this in terms of a metaphor that Paul uses when he speaks of the way that we are, are groaning inwardly as we are longing inwardly for the, for, for the hope that we find in the redemption of our bodies, for the, the eventual completion of the promise of God through the gospel. And that not only are we longing for that and groaning as if in pain, but creation itself is doing that as well, is, is, is also groaning for that, that redemption that is promised through Jesus. All of that is tied together. And Paul uses a metaphor that really sort of caught my attention. He, he compares this to as a woman groaning in labor, the, the pain and the, the anguish, the ongoing agony of labor. Now, I have to disclose something right now. This may come as a shock, but I'm a guy. And because of my biology, I've never experienced the, the long drawn out process of labor. Fair, fair assumption that I probably never will either. But I do have kids, so I've been in the maternity ward before. So I've been around this idea. But also, it's worth noting that because of the circumstances when both of my two kids were born, they were both born by C-section. So I've never been physically in the room with someone to observe it. But my observation is not completely lacking. The day after my, my son was born, a woman came in 6 a.m. and was induced into labor. And over the course of the entire next day, from 6 a.m. the first day until 7.30 a.m. The next, the next day, 25 and a half hours, my wife and I could hear as that poor woman walked the hallways of the maternity ward. She would come by, a moment later she would come by again. After a while we'd hear her walk by again. Every once in a while from her room down the hallway we could hear her cry out in, in the pain when, when a, a contraction would hit her. And so this poor woman for more than an entire day experienced the ongoing pain of labor then finally, one of the nurses shared this with us. Finally, 7.30 the next morning, she went into delivery where she pushed for two hours before her circumstances ultimately resulted in needing a C-section as well. I felt so bad for this woman because it seemed like for just, just hearing her, it, it, uh, it, it went on for so long. And I can only imagine for her, I can only imagine in that, in every instant of that roughly 28 hours of time, must have felt like this is never going to end. This is never going to be over, and it must have been torturous agony. I can only imagine it. And that is just a tiny little glimmer of something that I have been adjacent to that perhaps gives just a tiny little bit of insight into this thought that the Apostle Paul shares about how all of creation, all of the world, including us, is groaning out, waiting in agony or in discomfort, longing for something different, longing for something better, longing for the next thing. 
Now, when Paul is talking about this, he is talking about the promise of the gospel, the promise of the redemption of our bodies, the fact that our bodies are flawed. We are made by God being very good. The world is made by God being good, but not perfect. And we feel that within ourselves. The world feels it. We feel it within the world around us that while good is not perfect, it is broken, it is flawed, and there is discomfort within it. And that discomfort takes on many forms, many forms. Now, what Paul is talking about here is the discomfort or the agony or the the brokenness that we feel because of sin. That's what he's talking about. But Paul also talks about the promise of God the redemption which will come, the redemption which is made possible through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, something that happened 2,000 years ago by our reckoning, something that is completed and yet has not been brought to fulfillment yet. Now, that's a strange thing to think about, that we have this promise of God that has come near to us. That's a theme that we've had within our our lessons and within our, our sermons over the course of the last several weeks, probably even longer than that, this theme, this promise that the kingdom of heaven has come near. But even though the kingdom of heaven has come near to us through Christ, it has not been brought to completion yet. And we all know that. I once heard someone say something that really has resonated with me and it stuck with me a lot. So the promise of the gospel says that in the end, it's a happy ending. So if things aren't happy, this isn't the end. And I think that's what Paul is getting at here, that we have that promise that's been given to us, that promise which we receive with the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of faith that comes to us with the presence of the Holy Spirit sent to us by Jesus post-resurrection when he went back to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God to send that advocate, that Holy Spirit which dwells within us, which connects us in so many different ways and empowers each of us in unique and individual ways to bring our gifts into this wonderful thing known as the body of Christ or the church or the community of faith, whatever we want to call it, all of this is made possible by the presence of the Holy Spirit within us to give us this sense of longing, this sense of hope, this this knowledge that we can feel. Maybe knowledge isn't the right word. Maybe just this sensibility that we can feel within our bones, within our very essence, that this is not as it ultimately will be, that there is more and yet it is still good. And we hold on to this life. We hold on to this, this promise. We hold on to this hope for that which we have given, been given a glimpse, but yet we cannot see. We hear that from Paul. We, we hope for that which cannot be seen because who hopes for what you can see? If we hope for what we already have, what's already physically here, that's not hope. That's just acknowledging reality. But we hope for that which we can only begin to have a glimmer in our minds. This promise of one day the world being fully reconciled when the kingdom is fully realized and we all live in harmony with the world and with one another and most importantly with God who made it all in the first place. This is that hope that we hold on to, the hope for something more. I can only imagine for that poor woman as she walked and spent every agonizing moment over the course of 28 hours, she was hoping for that baby, the hopes that she would have for that baby and the life that that baby would lead and the the life that, that we all think of for our children as we wait to meet them or any other situation that we hope for. 
We hope for that which will ultimately become known, but is not yet known. Now, I've talked a lot about the idea of hope. I've talked about how the source of that hope is the promise of the gospel that we receive with the Holy Spirit. And that's where I want to kind of back up to the first part of what the Apostle Paul wrote about. This spirit that empowers us, the spirit which embodies, that we embody, the the spirit that comes into us is the same spirit which raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same spirit which rested upon Jesus in his baptism. And folks, that's where I'm going with this. Because the Holy Spirit which dwells within us is a gift of God. It's one that God can and does give to whoever God chooses, but we have been given a gift of something tangible, something tangible that we can hold on to in order to know that these promises of God have been made real for me, and that is the gift of baptism. We profess that we receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells within us in the action of baptism. Now, is it limited to baptism? No, I don't think it is. God will send the Spirit upon whoever God chooses, but the promise is that we receive the Spirit in baptism. And today, not only will we celebrate that or remember that in our sacramental moment, but today at our outdoor worship, we are celebrating in holy baptism for a wonderful new little baby and the hopes that his family must have for him, the hopes that his parents and his grandparents must have for him, the hope that we as a community of faith who will surround him in this time and celebrate this together, the hopes that we all have for his life as he grows and as he develops and as he learns and as he, uh, as he grows within his own life of faith, all of that hope that we hold for him but that is yet unknown and unseen. All of that, all of this ties together in this spirit of adoption, this spirit of hope made possible by the Holy Spirit in the action of baptism in which God makes the claim. God will make this claim upon this baby today that you are my beloved child. God makes the same claim upon each one of us. That claim of adoption, that claim that you are an heir to this promise that I have made through Christ and made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. May we cling to that hope as we join together in this same sense of community, empowered by that same Holy Spirit, which unites us and binds us not only physically with one another, but also unites us with all fellow believers in Christ across the world, across time. We were all the body of Christ together. And may we show that same support and be the body for one another when one person that we see, that we encounter, is lacking hope in that moment as we continue to experience this this groaning, this, this sense that things are not right, something that feels all too familiar in this ongoing pandemic, as we continue to feel that the creation itself is telling us something's not right here, may we cling to that hope knowing in one second we might need the support of one another to see the hope for that which is not seen. To cling to the hope, perhaps, is a better way of saying it. To that which is not seen. To that promise which we've been given but has not yet come to fulfillment. May we give that support to one another knowing in the next moment we might need it as well. This is how we are the body together. This is how we shine the light, that we reflect the light of Christ. This light that we keep burning always as we reflect that light of God, that perfect light into this world that so desperately is groaning for it. Amen.